I'm Harlan Landis. Welcome to Adulting. Today, Miranda Marquit and I discuss appropriate adult behavior in the workplace. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquit. Hi. Hi. So, navigating work. Don't blow your job. The CEO, um, former CEO of Yahoo, Scott Thompson, got in trouble. What was the story here? Yeah, so basically he was lying on his resume, and so they fired him. He claimed things that he hadn't actually done, and he got caught and they found out he wasn't as awesome as he said he was and he was fired and they hired somebody else. I guess this makes a difference. I mean, is it just, just an issue of, you know, this shows that he's not an honest person. What's the issue at the core of getting fired for lying? Well, I think it's a couple things. I think it's one, yes, I'm not an honest person. And can you trust me? And two, they don't have the credentials that you thought they had. And right. so maybe they're not really qualified. Uh, there were other people who were have been publicly shamed or publicly, publicly caught for lying on their resumes. There was an employee at MIT who did not have the degree she claimed she had. And so she got fired because she didn't have those degrees. And there was a software executive who also claimed degrees that he did not have. And in the end... After he was fired, uh, it meant a downgrade for the company, like on the stock. <laughs> like Merrill yeah, Lynch downgraded them. Yeah. So a lot of it is just goes back to, I mean, I think a lot of it is the honesty factor, but then also, oh my gosh, we put this person in charge and maybe they're not as competent as we thought they were. If they're already in the job and they're doing their job well, is somebody going to... Uh, you know, look at this and say, do we go back to his resume and see if there's anything here? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, pro- I like how, how was this even discovered uh, in the case of Scott Thompson that he didn't have the credentials he said he had? Yeah. So I think a lot of it just goes back to, you know, is somebody digging around to somebody, cause once you're a pub, especially if you're like a, a public figure, then you end up with with problems, right? right? So so I think part of that is going back and doing the research and then it just comes to light in a lot of stuff. It's kind of interesting how it how it happens and how it goes through. And like you said, in some cases you're a little bit confused because you're like, well if they're doing a good job, who cares? If they're doing a good job, does it really matter? And in some cases, apparently it does. And they yeah. do care. Well, I think what can happen is a lot of times someone will raise the issue and point out someone's uh, someone has misled or lied. And um, there's a the, the danger is, you know, the information getting out to the public that uh, that reduces the. Um, you know, the, the respect for that company or the other people there. Um, if 
if, if it becomes a major issue. So the company certainly wants to solve the problem before it becomes a, a nightmare. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that's part of it, too, is just that whole idea of, well, when this, so they're doing research and it comes to light that you don't have the credentials. And so then they glom onto that and say, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, they don't have these credentials. And what are they going to do to the company? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a case where um, Ronald Zarella, who was the CEO of Bausch & Long, he revealed that he never received his MBA from NYU like he claimed so he like started in the program, but never finished it. But the company said he was too valuable. So he actually kept his job. So even though, even though this came out, he actually kept his job. Uh, he did eventually leave because there were all these uh, product law liability issues and there were some lawsuits involved with their products. But he did actually get to keep his job because they thought he was valuable enough and was doing well enough. But for the most part, when these things come to light, they're let go. Yeah. From an individual perspective, I think this is a situation that you never, you never want to be the cause of this for a company. And I think it's uh, just avoid the whole thing by not being misleading. And if you don't get the job because you didn't lie about some credential that you feel that, you know, is necessary to have, then perhaps, you know, go out and get that credential or find a different job. I mean, that's that's basically what you have to do. Um, I don't there's there's no reason to put yourself in such a situation where you're going to have to defend defend yourself, um, you know, in the face of being caught in a lie like this. Right. And even if even if you're not getting caught in the lie, one of the things you have to consider is if you have talked yourself up too much and you're claiming credentials and experience that you don't have, what happens when they put you in that position and you find out you really are in over your head and you cannot meet those expectations? That's another issue. You may end up getting losing the position anyway or having other problems, uh, performing poorly and, and having that reflected on you in, later on because you talked yourself up too much and you couldn't deliver. So that's another thing you have to think about. You can go to jail. Um, I mean, That's true. <laughs> you can you can it's be convicted true. for for lying on your resume. I mean, this this. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know how if there are any examples of of jail time just for just for lying on your resume. But I mean, it's it's forgery. It could be fraud. There's a lot of different ways to look at this so that you can end up in in serious trouble. Uh, it's just not worth it's it's not worth the risk. Right and. And honestly, here in the U.S., you probably aren't going to go to jail for lying on your resume or get get a fraud conviction, although it is a possibility and it's something that might happen. But in Norway, a bureaucrat lied about she lied about being a registered nurse and having two degrees. And she was sentenced for to 14 months in prison. So in Norway, they take it a little more seriously. Yeah. And, and here in the United States, I think it can definitely be used as part of, you know, a larger case and a larger issue if, if, if there's some kind of trouble at any particular company. And, uh, you know, this, this could be a supporting detail in, in some kind of case that, that you don't want it to be. Exactly. Yeah. I, you, and, you know, this isn't the only way to uh, cause problems <laughs> and lose your job. Um, certainly there are lots of other behavioral types of things that we can talk about that, that hurt you 
you know, on, on the job or, you know, whether you're working for a company or you have clients and, you know, you're a consultant for certain clients or whether you're a freelancer, there are just certain behaviors that you don't want to do uh, because it could threaten your livelihood. That's, that's definitely true. I think one of the biggest things, though, is gossip. This is kind of hard for me because sometimes it's fun to gossip. And I'm fortunate in that I don't have a traditional workplace. I have I have two or three really good friends that I tend to shoot the breeze with and we kind of gossip a little bit. But I but other than that, I, I try and stay away from the gossip because this is one of the big things. You don't want it to get around that you're bad mouthing somebody and you certainly don't want to get it around that you're complaining about your boss. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's this is this is this is common sense kind of stuff. But the problem is that everybody does it. And there's a lot of social pressure to participate when it's going on around you. Um, you know, it, it takes a strong will to uh, put up with that kind of pressure sometimes. Definitely. And I think another thing to keep in mind, as well as while you're comporting the way you comport yourself, is remember, if somebody is talking to you, about something, if somebody's gossiping to you about somebody else, there's a good chance that they're turning around and gossiping to somebody else about you and what you're doing. So keep that in mind as well. And sometimes I think about that too. And I'm sharing, sharing my stories with my very close friends. I'm just like, now what are they saying about me later? (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, in, in a previous episode, we talked about understanding what the culture is and fitting in. And if the culture is so negative, then and you still have to fit in somehow, but can you do it without, without gossiping and without being mean and, you know, while still respecting people you work with? Yeah. And that's what I think that's really hard. How do you do that? Because it's, you know, I don't know whether you just do it by sort of subtly changing the subject to something work related. And that isn't, you know, such a big topic or so person focused. I mean, I think if you're sitting around, you're supposed to be doing work, you know, you can sort of guide it, guide the conversation if you can back toward actual work topics and try and and move away from that. Because sometimes, you know, you can't just turn around and say, I'm not talking about this and like walk away, like really abruptly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I mean, it'd be nice to be able to do that, but sometimes that doesn't work. It it can be a difficult dynamic sometimes trying to navigate exactly uh, what you know, what's appropriate for making sure that you are getting along with everybody you work with, but at the same time, not participating in anything that could, um, that could be seen as mean or could, you know, you don't want to do that, not just because it's mean, but because it can hurt you down the line. Oh, for sure. You don't want to be that person that everybody thinks is a terrible, you know, (laughs) saying mean things about everyone all the time. You don't want to be that person. Um, so what are the types of unprofessional behavior can uh, can hurt you at your job? Yeah, so any sort of environment where you have to deal with other people and you're working and around other people every day, I think you have to watch out for things like swearing, telling body jokes, not dressing for the environment, being rude to people, and of course, sexual harassment. I mean, that's just that, those are just five things that come to mind right now. And But I think it goes back to you know, what's the environment and are you, are you, what is unprofessional? Is it always bad to swear? I mean, can you not, are are there other ways, do you always have to think of some other way to express yourself than, than saying something that, you know, saying certain words that for some reason society has deemed as inappropriate for the workplace? 
I don't because I work from home. And if I want to say something, I do. But (laughs) there's nobody here to hear me. But I do. I mean, there are times I do have to be careful because I'm on like three different podcasts now. And so I can't be swearing all the time on those podcasts. And I think it depends, too, on who you're talking to. I mean, if you're just... If you're just hanging out in your group and you're doing a group project and one of you swears, you know, a little bit, that's probably not a problem. But if you're having a professional interaction with somebody from another company or with a customer, swearing is probably a very bad idea. You know, I I think it just comes down to making sure you understand the expectations of whoever you're talking to. I think there are certain situations where you can say whatever words you want and you know as long as it's not offensive because there's offensive swearing and there's non-offensive swearing um at, at, you know at least at some level i'm sure there are people in the world who think that any type of swearing is offensive and you have to watch out for that but you know if if you know that's the situation going in um you are prepared for it but if you don't know that that's, that that is the situation sometimes you just have to assume that it is and it's better to be on the safe side. Uh, you know, there, there are people who do really well in the business world, uh, but their, their persona, their character they have created for themselves could be a little bit abrasive and could be a little bit offensive to some people who think that swearing or other things that we might talk about later are, are you know, that are, are part of what they do. Right, and I think that that goes back to uh, what we've talked about in the past episodes of who are you trying to be And what are you trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to, if if you're an entrepreneur or if you're trying to be this public figure that has a certain persona, then that changes the equation a little bit. And yes, you may be alienating some people, but those aren't the people that are you're, you're catering to anyway. That's not your target demographic anyway. If your target demographic is, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and being awesome inside of your company, then that's, you're going to have to behave differently. You, You have to decide what, is your objective uh, sexual harassment? I mean, that's just out no matter what. I mean, right. I think there's always a question of, well, is something that you say sexual harassment or not? And how do you know how someone's going to react to something you say? If we live and breathe in one type of environment, um, how do you how do you adjust to this environment where something you say could be considered sexual harassment? Um, you know, I, I think. You know, many years ago in certain workplaces, it might have been more common to have pet names for women who worked in the office because there were few of them and it was a patriarchal society. And that's just the way men talked to women. Not that it's right, but this is how people behaved. And it was a standard. It was, you know, basically the same throughout, you know, the, whatever culture it was. So I guess the question is, how do, you, how do you navigate that now? And how do you understand what to do and what not to say? And I think that's hard because in some ways it's, it's kind of subjective to a certain degree uh, because uh, for one thing, I think it's hard sometimes for men to realize that what they do might be offensive just because they're in a position, they're still, well, well we've made great strides, there's still a, a little bit of privilege attached you know, to this and, you know, attached to what it means to be a man and, and all that kind of stuff. There's still a little bit of uh, privilege attached to that. But I think what we're running into now, though, is one of the things you do have to watch out for is uh, what does <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to say, well, you know, it goes back to what is that? 
what is that uh, that uh, Supreme Court ruling on pornography? I know it when I see it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the official ruling, <laughs> right, on on pornography from the Supreme Court, no less. And in a lot of ways, sexual harassment is a little bit like that. Is you know, if, if you're talking down to somebody, if you're talking to somebody um, in a way that's kind of disrespectful, or that can be construed as you know as belittling them based on who they, based on their gender or their sexual orientation uh, or the way they express themselves. And it, it can be construed as sexual harassment. And you do have to kind of, kind of be careful um, in those situations. And, you know, sometimes I, I worry a little bit because I, I don't get out much. And I don't work with people much, but when I go to, uh, when I go to a conference like FinCon, you know, I'm like, hey, everybody gets a hug, <laughs> right? But uh, to a certain degree, you know, uh, I do have to step back and say, well, who who is it appropriate to hug? Are these really people, you know, are these people friends that I should be hugging? And does everybody really want to hug? And what it comes down to is saying, well, okay, I need to respect boundaries. And what are those boundaries? So no, not everybody gets a hug because that's, you know, they've made that boundary and you don't cross that because that's their boundary and their prerogative. Yeah, I think part of um, being successful at this is being able to identify where those boundaries are. Um, and that, that can be difficult and that takes practice. And, you know, it might mean that you make a few mistakes here and there and you say something inappropriate or something that's wrong. And it, it not not just on the sexual harassment side of things, but they, right. it, it could be anything that you say that just crosses a line. If you, if you don't know where that line is, that's that's how you learn where the line is by by doing something that goes over it. And then, you know, the, the only problem is <laughs> you might not face those consequences. You may not realize that you went over the line because a lot of times people won't tell you that you went over right. the line. And then you find out later because going back to the gossiping thing, someone said something about you crossing the line and you find out through the grapevine. But even finding out through the grapevine is better than finding out through the lawsuit. So that's true. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, too, I think part of it is also um, what we talked about in a previous episode about being teachable and humble and willing to apologize. If somebody tells you, hey, you've crossed this line or if somebody seems uncomfortable with something you've done, that's when you need to take a step back and say, I'm sorry, I violated your boundaries. I will try not to do that again. Yeah. And of course, sincerity as you do this is paramount to being successful in, a, in an apology. I think a lot of what happens, in, especially in the workplace today, uh, not just with sexual harassment, although that's more common, is, hey, what's the big deal? Is You immediately get defensive and you don't recognize somebody else's boundaries or respect their boundaries. Mm -hmm. And you say, what's the big deal? I didn't mean for this to happen. Or that's not my intent. And it's like, it doesn't matter what your intent is. You made somebody else uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that's important is uh, remembering that, um, you know, it's it's not the it's not always the intent that is the damaging thing. It's it's the results just because you didn't intend to offend someone. And very few people do intend to offend people. It's it's still worth recognizing how they feel, how you made them feel and then apologizing for it. Um, right. Sure. And, and that's just a part of uh, of dealing with with anybody inside or outside of the workplace. Um, it's just more 
it's it's more inspected at the workplace because um, you do have to be super careful because uh, there are consequences and consequences could be getting fired. Consequences could be not being respected in the workplace. Consequences could be the company ends up in trouble. Um, and you know, there could be a, a media storm or you could, the company could lose its stock price. You know, the stock price could go down millions of investors losing money, um, all because something <laughs> stupid that could have been preventable, uh, that could have been prevented. I think it is interesting to know when you talk about, well, maybe you're not getting fired and some of these behaviors when you're navigating work is, aren't always about, Hey, is this going to get me fired? Sometimes it's, Am I going to be overlooked for promotion? Will I miss out on this raise? Is, is my image damaging so that I'm passed over or am I being viewed as incapable? And that's something you need to think about too. It's not just about, hey, am I going to lose my job if I do this? It's how, what sort of image am I projecting overall? Right. And then, you know, the image doesn't stop there. I think there have been times I've been overlooked for, a, uh, you know, a raise or a promotion that I thought I deserved. And, you know, how you react to something like that um, when, you know, when you feel that you're, you know, being overlooked is, is just as important as any other behavior that you have in the office. And I've seen this a lot of times where someone, you know, many times where someone um, overlooked, um, it gets very defensive and they take, they, they, they take it out on other people and they complain and they passive aggressively write Facebook statuses, which we've talked about in a previous episode. It's important to remain, you know, mature. Find out specifically why, you know, if you feel that you were overlooked for something. There's obvious, and and you know, someone else was rewarded that you know in a way that you felt you should have been rewarded. It's important to start communicating about this. And when you do communicate, you have to communicate in a professional manner and not get over emotional. I think that could be really damaging. Is to to have an emotional reaction to something. People will often say it's just business, but as we know, there's nothing that's just business. Everyone has feelings. Everyone can uh, react personally to something that happens, even if it is business related. So, but being able to recognize how you're feeling about this and to not overreact in an emotional way and to start a constructive conversation, I think is important because that way you can go... You can say, listen, maybe I didn't make it clear exactly what I'm looking for in terms of advancement or, or opportunities uh, at, at this company. Here's what I'm looking to do. And I'd love to hear from you, my supervisor, you know, what I need to do in order for you to consider me for such and such uh, opportunities. And then you can start this conversation where you figure out what your target is and uh, your supervisor will give you things that you can do. And if you do those things and act appropriately, then, you know, everybody knows where they stand. And if you still feel that, you know, there's something that's keeping you back, find out, find out what it is. Find out what is keeping you back. Ask these questions and do it in a non-confrontational way so they don't feel like they're being attacked. And so you open up a, a very a very clear line of communication where nobody has to be defensive and everybody can just be free to express what they what they're hoping to get and what they're hoping to see and what some of the results will be. Yeah, and I think that part of that the key here is is respect. When you're talking about this communication, talking to your supervisors, communicating with your coworkers, I think what you 
kind of are getting at here is respect. And it, all of this has to be done respectfully. Otherwise, you end up with a toxic environment. So how, how do you do that? I mean, how can you manage in this workplace with respect? And how, how do you avoid disrespect? What, what do these things look like? Yeah, well, that's, it's, it's a good question. I think, you know, we've, we've all felt disrespect. I mean, you know, just like the pornography, we know it when we feel it. <laughs> we know when we're being disrespected. Um, and uh, the, more you, the more you feel that, the more you should be able to prevent yourself from disrespecting someone else. But, you know, I know how hard it is when you feel disrespected to not pass that disrespect on to somebody else. So, you know, this, there's this chain of disrespect that has to stop somewhere. Um, whether you're sending disrespect back to the person who sent it to you or whether you're sending it on to someone else, it's just got to stop. So what does that look like? Disrespect looks like um, dismissing what people say without serious consideration, believing that other pe- people's opinions don't matter and and going forth and, and even, you know, acting out in that way. That's probably the biggest the biggest example of disrespect that I can think of in terms of workplace disrespect is just not considering other people's opinions to be as worthy as your own or as somebody else's. You know, everybody has opinions that are worth sharing at least, uh, and worth hearing at least a little bit. Um, so that's, uh, and, and some workplaces aren't designed for everybody to share opinions in that way. Uh, so it can be a little difficult, but I think that's, that's really the, that's really a big signal of disrespect. And of course, you know, on the other side of that respect, it's going to look like the openness, you know, the the availability, the the way to invite people in and, and let them share their opinions with you, um, you know, whether they're at a lower level or a higher level. Um, you know, respect isn't just for your supervisors. Respect is for everybody around you, because when you when you respect your supervisors without respecting the people who are on your team or work under you in terms of a hierarchical hierarchical structure, then you'll you'll be seen as someone who brown noses towards management, and then you won't get the respect back from the people that you feel need to respect you. So it's a two way street, and it always starts with you. Right. And that's and that's a very good point that if you want respect, then you need to start out by giving respect. Yeah. And knowing exactly, you know, it's it's not just this feeling of respect. It's actually behaving in a way that shows people that you respect them. So, I mean, I could respect somebody in my head, but if I don't act in that way, if I don't if I don't show them the openness and the willingness to to uh, listen to them and to appreciate their ideas, then it's it's just as bad as not respecting them in the first place. That's a very good point. So the ultimate goal, of course, you know, we're talking about behavior in a workplace. And and so we're talking the, the goals that we're talking about are succeeding in whatever goals you have for that particular workplace, whether it's getting ahead on the corporate ladder or starting your own business and working with clients. All of these things that we're talking about play into, you know, how you can do better in that job, in that role um, and, you know, kind of understand the dynamics a little bit better. Um, are there you know, from there, are there there specific things that you can think of that people should do to kind of ensure that they are, you know, correctly navigating everything about work? Yeah. So some of the things that you can do immediately uh, are to first review your skills and qualifications and make sure they mesh with your resume and also make sure they mesh with where you're at right now and where you're working. Because a lot of the time, 
your job just feels uh, unfulfilling if there's a skills mismatch or if there's a, a any sort of mismatch at all. But at the same time, if you're if you're not doing something that matches your skills, then in the end, it may not work out for you or the company. So review your skills and qualifications and make sure that they match with your resume and also match with what you're doing. So make sure you're up to, and then also uh, update your resume. If you've acquired new skills or new credentials or new responsibilities, take the time to update your resume now so that you're not scrambling to do it later. Yeah. And one of the things about resumes is it's, you know, it's a living document and you can have many versions of it depending on, you know, what you're, who you're talking to and who you're approaching and, and the job that you're in, you know, you should have one resume that's for your current job that will allow you to move forward when the opportunity arises. If someone from your job comes to you and say, listen, there's an opportunity, you know, can you send me your resume? You have it ready to go. Um, but there's probably another resume that you want to have for, a company on the outside that approaches you or that you want to approach. And it could probably say different things while still be still being completely truthful. Um, Things can be worded differently. You can emphasize different aspects of your experience when you're dealing with your company. There's, there's a language that you, that you all share and you can use that language when you're dealing outside your company, you know, perhaps they're not as familiar with operations that go on inside the company that you're in now. So you'll want to make sure that it's understandable to people on the outside. Um, and if you're, if you're interested in so many different things like I am, and there's always a potential of someone asking you for a resume because they want, you know, they want you to volunteer for some organization and you have another resume available for that, that kind of highlights different things in your life that would be relevant to that specific situation. So your resume isn't, there isn't just one resume. There isn't just one right. truth. There's, there's, there's many different potential, uh, potential for many different resumes. Yeah. And then the other thing that you can do right now is think about your at work interactions and, honestly evaluate them and then figure out how you can be more professional and project that confident professional image. You know, I think that's an overall way of approaching your job that is so important. Figuring out exactly what specifically you can do. I mean, you can you can you can go out and ask people, you know, ask for feedback. I think that is really a, a big key here is just you know, trying to get the feedback, um, trying to find out what other people are thinking, how you're coming across in your interactions, uh, find out what your supervisor thinks about, you know, the how you fit into the culture uh, around the workplace and just have these conversations. So you, you're not you're not stuck without knowing. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. So we have a, a reader question um, every week. Awesome. We go out and we we ask we ask people what they might like to know. And this question is really interesting. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Miranda here, because um, <laughs> who else is there? <laughs> because who else is there? Yes. Um, so you know, anything that we talked about are are the rules different for women? Do women have to think about other things in the workplace than men do in order to succeed in uh, in whatever their goals happen to be? Uh, sadly, yes. <laughs> we like to say, "Oh, well, we're equal now," and I'm not. You know, there there's so much equality now and we don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. But interestingly enough, there are attitudes that are so ingrained in our society and our system that is still affecting the way women are viewed in the workplace and what they have to do to get jobs. So there was a study in 2003 and business students were given two identical resumes. And one of them 
used the name Heidi and the other name used the name Howard. So Howard was judged as competent and Heidi was judged as bitchy. Okay. So this is, this is exactly what they were judged as. And they were the exact same resume, but the only difference was we had a female name and a male name. They repeated the experiment 10 years later and the woman's resume, she was still, she was found to be slightly more likable, which is great because it does show at least some progress in the way we're moving, but she was still judged as less trustworthy than the man. So these are the exact same resumes. The only difference is the name on them, but the women were judged differently. And so you have to think about that. Another thing you have to think about as a woman too is how am I taking credit for things? Women are automatically assumed incompetent until they prove themselves. So as a woman, you have to prove yourself competent. As a man, you're automatically considered competent and you're considered competent until you prove otherwise. So they've done these studies and they found that the impression that a woman has when she walks in the room is she's automatically not qualified for her job. And so she has to prove that she is qualified. So women actually have to work harder to get the same respect and the same amount of uh, you know, uh, credit as a man. When the man walks in the room, he's automatically judged competent and he has to prove that he's not competent. So the woman has to prove she is, well, he has to, well, he's automatically considered it and he has to screw up pretty, pretty heavily to be considered not uh, competent. Well, that's really interesting because, you know, I, um, perhaps this is a reason why corporate culture hasn't always worked, you know, in terms of something that works for me. Um, You know, I feel like when I come into a job that, you know, even though I'm a man, I still feel like I need to prove myself and that other people feel that, you know, other people think that I'm not competent until I prove myself. So that's, that's really interesting that there's a, a gender line there. And of course, that's always generaliza- general, generalizing. Right. So there's going to be people on, you know, who, who uh, feel right. differently than the rest of their gender feels. But, you know, I, that's, that's just really interesting that, you know, uh, that's, that's why I feel I've struggled in certain workplace situations because I feel I always have to prove myself. And the other thing that you run into, and it's related to this whole idea of, you know, how aggressive should a woman be? How is, well, and actually a woman who's just being assertive in the same way a man is, is considered being aggressive. It's, if a woman shows any sort of assertiveness at all, it's considered aggression, even though it's not. It's, it's kind of interesting. And they've done research and they show that men and women both think that women should be nice and kind and nurturing. When men show anger, it looks like strength. And when women show anger, they're perceived as being out of control. And so you have this idea that if a woman shows anger or assertiveness, she's being aggressive and she's out of control and she's too emotional because we expect women to be nice. And this expectation is uh, applies to men and women alike. Women expect women to be nice. Men expect women to be nice. And if you're not fulfilling that role, whether you're in a meeting or whether you're walking in the room at work, whether you're taking, even when you're taking credit in a group project, if you put yourself forward and say, hey, I did this work, you're being perceived as being pushy. Whereas if a man says, hey, I did this work, you know, they're like, Hey, good for you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so it's a really interesting line that women have to walk because they have to sit back and they have to say, well, I have to be able to get myself across and communicate my ideas, but I have to do it in a way that people don't perceive as threatening coming from a woman because, uh, 
coming from a woman, it seems more threatening than coming from a man. It's really, it's, it's really interesting. And the final thing women have to worry about is their biology. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they have, uh, they, they call it, uh, men get this fatherhood bonus. It's assumed that when men have children, they're suddenly going to do more. They'll put more effort in succeeding at work because now they're fathers and they have a reason to succeed. But if women become mothers while at work, it's different. It's seen as because we still have this idea men are the providers, women are the nurturers. So once women become mothers, they're not going to focus on work like they should. And so there's a penalty there. So how, how do you compensate for these societal <laughs> uh, impressions that are different? So really the answer, honestly, 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 is just moving forward and just keep banging away. <laughs> I mean, it's these society things that it has to be baby steps. It's just like when I was talking about that study. Oh, well, 10 years later, Heidi on that resume, she's considered more likable. She's still considered less trustworthy and she's still not going to get hired over the man, even though they have the same resumes, but she's at least more likable now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've, you know, it, it's really sad. And you're like, I would like change to come now as a woman, I would really like change to come now. But really, it's more about baby steps. And the more we see women in positions of leadership, the more we see women doing competent things and as well as making mistakes. It's hard because once you see one woman make a mistake, you're like, oh, all women are awful and they can't do this. We don't do this to men. If you see a big CEO man failing, you don't immediately assume that all men cannot be CEOs. Mm -hmm. But if you see a woman make a mistake, ah, women aren't fit to do this. And it's, it's just one of those things that's just sort of in our society. And until we can see more women making in those leadership positions, see more role models out there and see more of this and see more of talking in terms of, hey, individual characteristics as opposed to attaching characteristics to gender, which is what we do a lot of the time now, rather than taking into account individuals, until we can start doing that, uh, this will still be a problem. But we are making some progress. And really, the only thing you can do is just keep moving forward and being the best you can be. Yeah, I think that about sums it up. And, you know, in all cases, (laughs) men or women, just be the best you can be, be the best person, be the best employee, um, you know, be the best, uh, be the best uh, business leader, be the best leader of people, be the best person. Uh, so, uh, on that note, I think, uh, we're going to wrap up for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us today and be sure to tune in next week. Thank you for listening to adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. TV.